Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I'm a registered architect. I work in eastern Massachusetts, primarily on additions and renovations to existing homes. This is a bonus episode, and this is first in what I'm hoping will be a series of uh, renovation cautionary tales. Learning from the mistakes of others is what I'm calling it, as I have that segment in my in my podcast. But this is uh, going to be a series of stories of things that didn't go right in a renovation. And the idea would be that if people hear these stories, they will not um, they will be able to learn something from them and not have to experience them themselves. So here we go. Learning from the mistakes of others. Number one. I'm hoping that you have some stories that people could hear and know not to do whatever it was the people in the stories did. Okay. No. So my intention isn't to laugh at people's ridiculousness or stupidity or anything, but just get a, like the moral of the story out of, out of it. Okay. So, um, I don't know if you want to use your real name. Yeah, we could use my real name. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, um, so Sam, you are an architect working in Oregon. That's right. Uh, architectural designer. I'll be licensed soon. Okay. But I work for an architecture firm um, in Portland. Okay. And you have some stories about uh, that we could use for learning from the mistakes of others. I do. Yeah. Um, part of my role at my firm um, is taking on a lot of the residential projects that come through our door, um, whether that means a custom residential home or an extensive home remodel or uh, an accessory dwelling unit, which in Portland, those are sort of like granny flats or standalone mm-hmm. dwelling units that are on residential properties. Right. Uh, and over the years, um, I've seen lessons learned for both my firm as well as clients who are um, working on the projects themselves or hiring us. Um, one of those being, um, we had a, a fairly extensive home remodel. They were it was a, a single story house and we basically added a second story to it. Uh, the clients wanted to include a new master suite. So bedroom and bathroom. And um, the, the whole second floor was going to be a vaulted roof because we were sort of extending the gabled roof of their house. And so we thought we would expose the ceiling and sort of vault it to make the space feel more grand and taller. So in the master bathroom on the second floor though, it meant that, the whole ceiling of the bathroom wasn't flat. It was sort of on a shed slope. Hmm. And part of the design was uh, to incorporate sort of a standalone shower area that was to be tiled around the sides. Um, We were doing this sort of very simple and elegant white subway tile. And uh, partway through the project, the contractor sub, the tile laying sub, had some very strong opinions as far as how to lay the tile. Um, And so I think this is sort of a lessons learned of trust the professionals that you hire for the expertise that they bring to the project. Mm -hmm. So it started with um, the tile layer saying, "Uh, I really don't think we should tile all the way to the ceiling. And that's what I had drawn in the design. I wanted the subway floor or subway tile to go from the floor all the way to the angled ceiling. So So he, in his opinion, he thought, well, the tile being all the way at the ceiling, you're going to have these little tiny wedges, basically, of tile. Because at some point, the ceiling's going to slope, and you're going to have to cut those tiles at a funky angle. Right. And so the clients came to me with this new sort of opinion, 
And, and of course, clients being clients are like, this guy does it for a living. Like, should we trust him? Like, should we change the design? And, and luckily my clients trusted me more, um, because they came to me with this information instead of just making the mistake of let's just go with whatever, whoever's on site, whatever they say. Yeah. I think if you hire a professional designer, it's always good to include them as if if anything else is like a second voice of reason. Sure. Um, and so they came to me with this idea and I was like, absolutely not. That's going to look really funky to have a little wedge of drywall instead of just having the pattern of the tile read as a continuous pattern floor to ceiling. You won't even see the little wedges of tile. Let's stick with that. And so like, okay, okay, we'll do that. But then they talked to the tile guy again. He convinced him onto his side again. And I brought in my whole architectural team just to make sure I wasn't in the wrong. Um, Because sometimes we do make mistakes or we have a bad judgment. We're humans too. And my entire team was like, no, that will look awful. We have to run the tile to the ceiling. So I was really adamant with my clients. And like I said, at the end of the day, I'm happy that they they trusted me as their designer because ultimately they they went with that decision and they tiled it all the way to the ceiling. So maybe this isn't a story of things went wrong, but things could have gone wrong and it would have looked absolutely awful um, if they hadn't. And uh, but at the end of the day, they did, and I'm really happy they did. Mm. So they sort of it was almost sort of a could have made a mistake as we go story, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, that actually does happen kind of a lot because the owners are on site with the trades people who are there and then Mm -hmm. they get talked into something different and the trades person is doing their own thing. They don't really realize that there's a ripple effect sometimes Mm -hmm. that they don't really have the bigger picture. So yeah, I mean, I like to take advice from other experts. That's fine with me, but I would like to be involved in the decision for sure Mm -hmm. because, you know, it sometimes it does matter. So do you happen to have a picture of that? Uh, I do. Yeah. I could send it to you. Yeah. That'd be great. I don't have a picture of the tile going partway to the ceiling, but I have a ton of pictures that I sent to the client showing one bathroom versus another, just as a precedent to show them like, this looks better at going to the ceiling. So I can send you whatever you need. Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Helpful for that. Just to, just to give people a visual. Let's go with that same project actually. Uh, So is that the issue that came up was actually on the first floor of that project. Um, we did an extensive addition to the first floor as well to sort of hold the second floor up. And on the first floor, um, we totally rearranged where the kitchen was. The kitchen was at the back of the house. We brought it to the front of the house in order to create a back of the house living room that could then open up to the backyard and sort of make it feel indoor outdoor, really spacious. And to accomplish that, we, um, designed in a three panel 12 foot wide sliding door system mm-hmm. um so where two of the panels slide in um, in sort of in front of the third panel so it creates this really grand opening lots of natural light into the backyard um and we we sort of had a, a specific orientation where um, we wanted it slide left to right because on the right side is where we wanted to house all of our furniture. And on the left side, we sort of wanted to have this linear path of travel. So of course, along that path of travel is where we wanted the opening to be. Right. Um, and in the window and door industry, uh, they have symbols that represent, you know, which panels are going to be fixed uh, and, not yes. movable, and which ones are going to be movable. Yeah. And, not, and they're not always the same. I don't think for one company. They're not the next. always the same. And, and yeah. the one that we used, I believe we used Marvin, um, 
is not intuitive. For example, the sliding door, the symbol you put over your sliding panels is an X, which to me sort of means stop. But right. you think that in their case, fixed. it means slide. Uh-huh. And so on our drawings, we did um, XX, oh, sorry, we did um, XOO. So the two O's were going to be the sliders uh, and yeah. be the fix. Um, and the contractor ordered it the opposite direction, not really his fault. Uh, although I think it's a lesson learned in that um, homeowners should hire contractors and architects that communicate a little bit better. We learned from that lesson on that project. And after that, the contractor submitted sort of order forms um, so that we could pre-approve them before they sent them to the manufacturer just to make sure everything was getting ordered correctly. Yeah, um, it's, so, it's so easy to go wrong with the window and door schedules. Yeah, it's so easy. So after that, they always included us in like, hey, can you guys double check this for us, which was great. And after that, we didn't really run into any issues. But unfortunately, this was a very expensive sliding yeah. door system. And so they ordered yeah. it. Um, the manufacturers delivered it and it came in and we had a site visit. The contractor informed us that they realized it was the wrong direction and um, they were wondering if we could still make it work. And and I, I told them, I'm like, it's just not going to work out with the flow of the space. Like, I mean, even tried thinking of maybe we can reverse the door, like sort of install it backwards. So it slides the right direction. So if the door is backwards, installed backwards, then you have issues with water infiltration. The sills of doors and windows um, sort of come uh, pre-manufactured in a way that um, orients them so that they angle towards the outside. So if any water does get into that sill condition, it will Mm -hmm. drain outside and not inside. Right. So if we had installed it backwards, that would have solved it, solved the issue of it being, you know, reversed opening, but it it would have then made a new issue crop up with water, water infiltration. So we don't want to do that. That's even worse. That's even a worse issue. Yeah, it would, yeah, yeah, it would have been worse. So at the end of the day, um, I mean, the contractor sort of ate the loss of ordering. Oh man. How much was that door? That's, that has to be like a $15,000 door. Yeah. It was somewhere around like $13,000, I think. Um, and so they held on to it. Luckily, like we do a lot of work with them and we'll probably end up using that door in the future and we could work it into a design. Yeah. That would be um, nice of you. Lose that cost. But, um, so yeah, they had to order the opposite door, which delayed the project. Um, luckily it didn't cost the client anything because the contractor took the responsibility on of making the wrong order. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was that story. Yeah. Check your window and door package. <laughs> yeah. That's really important. I, I spent a lot of time on those just cause I get so stressed about it and I just check mm-hmm. them over and over and over again. But yeah, in my 20 something years we've had to eat a couple <laughs> doors and windows. Yep. 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 So that'll make you careful. Yeah. And those are the expensive items too, like yeah. you mentioned that you order. So yeah. And one time I paid for the, I ended up paying for the windows and then the mm-hmm. contractor kept the windows and that was a long time ago. But it, it still bothers me a little bit. Like, you know, if I paid Why did for they them, keep them, that's weird. Why would they keep the windows? Did the project not go through or no, they, I, we had to order the other, the right windows. So the, oh. you know, the extra windows, the contractor kept, even though I paid for them. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. We had that happen on another project too. And, and the clients brought it up. They're like, well, we paid for them. And I think the contract, I think that must be standard practice for some reason, because my clients, some different clients had that same thing happen where they changed their mind on, on doors that they paid for. So the contractor ordered new doors and they're like, well, we still want the old doors. Cause we, paid for those we could sell them and recoup some of our costs right so yeah that's interesting 
Yeah, it's an expensive and it's a big pain to sell doors and windows. So Mm -hmm. it would be good for people to avoid having to do that, honestly. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, I have one one other story that I've just popped into my head, actually. Um, So uh, in Portland, uh, we like to do a lot of uh, concrete slab on grade buildings especially when they're new construction basement remodels are you know basements are typically concrete flooring um so we do a lot of them we like the the durability of concrete floors we love the finish um they look really slick and modern um so we tend to use them a lot and i had this basement accessory dwelling unit remodel where they were converting their their existing basement into a secondary dwelling with a kitchen bathroom bedroom living room and in doing so, uh, their existing basement sort of had this weird step down in their concrete flooring. So they decided to pour sort of a new skim coat everywhere to make it look cohesive and new. Um, and in our drawings, I think we specified grind and seal, grind and seal concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, this was sort of when I was just starting to do ADUs, I was a little bit more green um, at the practice I was at. And um, I didn't realize how many finishes and stains and top coats you can put on concrete. There are so many, so many, mm-hmm. um, and they all look different. Um, they'll give you a different finish. Oh, I kind of know and, where this is going. And I, I schedule a site visit to come see how the concrete's doing and I get there and it's just like Willy Wonka shiny. <laughs> it feels sort of tacky. Um, it was an epoxy top coat that the contractor put on the mm-hmm. concrete because his concrete sub recommended it. Nope. Um, okay. And I don't think, I don't necessarily remember in our drawing set if I had specified grind and seal, but even then um, we've, we've gotten a lot more specific in the type of coat coatings we specify for our drawings. But I got there and the flooring was just awful. It, it was totally unacceptable. It was shiny and tacky looking and literally tacky to the touch mm. um, sort of felt rubbery. And so, uh, the contractor ended up regrinding the concrete back down and then just doing sort of more of a clear coat and seal. Uh, so that's the lessons learned. Um, I, I know concrete's definitely trending right now as far as a flooring material material and even countertop material too, for whether it's a kitchen or bathroom vanity. Yep. Um, a lot of people have been doing the DIY countertops for concrete. And um, there are just a lot of options for sealing concrete. And so I'd recommend uh, we have a really nice concrete uh, flooring company that's in Portland where you walk into their showroom and it, they've literally sh- done every type of seal and stain on their warehouse floor. And so you can sort of point and pick and make sure it's what you want in person. Mm. Yeah, um, that's perfect. That's great that yeah. someone's done that. There, Yeah, you're right. So the idea of really going to see what the finished product product is going to look like before... Before yeah, and just it. knowing and just having the understanding that there's not just one finish for this for this product. I think people think of concrete as one thing and yeah. they don't they don't necessarily they're not exposed to the fact it can come in all these different finishes and sheens mm-hmm. um, in a similar way that paint can. So um yeah. Yeah. That's, that's another good. thing to keep in mind. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think pe- when people don't specify if you don't specify things like exactly what color or sheen you want the finish to be there mm-hmm. your assumption and the the person actually doing the work their assumption is not likely to be the same so right. at least a disappointment so that's that's great well thank you yeah. sam you're welcome right.
I appreciate that. And hopefully um, you can save some people from making some costly mistakes. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. All right. Well, thanks a lot. So that was the episode for today. I hope that you got something out of it. If you have tales you would like to tell me, please do contact me at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com or suggestions for another episode or, or whatever it may be. I will have a number of contractors and architects and homeowners telling me their stories coming up. So these bonus episodes will come out on the alternate Wednesdays and I'll continue with my content on the main podcast every other Wednesday. So, as always, this has been a production of Demios Architects, which is my architecture firm. If you have any architectural questions, design questions, you could contact me at www.demiosarchitects.com. I'll have that information in the show notes. Thank you, and see you soon.